Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 712 of the Juice Box Podcast. This is the second part of a special Bold Beginnings episode. Part one is already available at episode 711. Welcome back to the Bold Beginning series with me and Jenny Smith. Today's two-parter happens in episodes 711 and 712. This is Bold Beginnings Terminology Part 2. In these two episodes, Jenny and I define every word that's available to you in the Defining Diabetes series. At the time of this recording, there were over 40 definitions. We did a quick definition for newly diagnosed people and left you the episode number so you can go back and get a more complete definition. If you've just been diagnosed or if you're trying to figure things out, it is our estimation that this two-part episode, part of the Bold Beginning series, will catch you up on terminology very quickly. If you're looking for the Defining Diabetes series, it's available at juiceboxpodcast.com, diabetesprotip.com, and in any audio app that you listen in. Join the Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, to find the lists of all the series in the featured section. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. And because of the format of this episode, I'm going to put the ad right here for you so that you don't have to take a break while you're power listening through these definitions. Isn't that cool of InPen to let that happen? Thank you, InPen. Even though I didn't ask you, but I know you're listening. So just be cool, all right? All right, ready? The InPen. It's an insulin pen, but it's more than that because it's attached to an application on your iPhone or Android phone. This application is going to do many of the things that you've heard about people getting from their insulin pumps. You'll be able to see your current glucose right on the screen, a dosing calculator, active insulin remaining, meal history, dose history, glucose history, activity logs, and you can generate reports based on your data. Not only that, but you're getting a great insulin pen. Everything you expect, the cap, the needle, the insulin cartridge holder, it's an insulin pen, just like you've come to expect, but it gives you more with its attached app. You can go right now to inpentoday.com to find out more and get started. And I'm going to tell you what, terms and conditions apply, but you may pay as little as $35 for the InPen. Medtronic Diabetes does not want cost to be a roadblock to you getting the therapy that you need. With InPen's access program, you may pay as little as $35. Where will you find that out? At InPenToday.com. On this site, tons of frequently asked questions that you're going to be interested in. Just scroll to the bottom. What is the InPen? How much does it cost? Our insulin cartridges included. Does InPen work with long-acting insulin? Can I pair more than one InPen to an app? You want to know the answers to those questions? Go right now to InPenToday.com and get your answer. If you're ready to try the InPen when you're at the link, just follow the easy instructions. It says, ready to try. You complete a short form, and just like that, you're on your way. InPenToday.com forward slash juicebox. InPen requires a prescription and settings from your healthcare provider. You must use proper settings and follow the instructions as directed, or you could experience high or low glucose levels. 
For more safety information, visit InPenToday.com. Yeah. Okay. Haha, there it is. So Jenny and I are back. This is another day. We recorded uh, from bolus to feeding insulin. And now we're going to go to episode 347 in the Defining Diabetes series. This is another made up. I think this is one of the last ones that I made up for a while. Yeah, it is. Uh, But this one's called Bump and Nudge. So you know what, Jenny, I've described how I think of it all the time, but you've heard me talk about it so much. How do you think about it now that I've explained it to you? Well, it's just, I, I mean, I just think it's learning how to use insulin better to bring your blood sugar into the place that you want it to, as well as not only insulin, but food, right? Mm-hmm. Cause it's kind of a both, it's a both system. You use insulin to get your blood sugar to come down to where you want it to. And if you maybe use just a little bit too much, then you're using a little bit of food to kind of keep it stable and avoid it from dropping too low. So there's been this, um, there was once a discussion online where people said, um, do you think of, somebody asked me one time, do you think of bumping as insulin or bumping as carbs? And everybody had, because I've never really said it before, but in my mind, I nudge with food and bump with insulin, I think. See, and I'm the opposite. Yeah, you think of it the other way. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> the the no. way, in 20 seconds, the way I, I describe it to people is when you're driving in a lane and there's a line on your right, a line on your left, if you start to slowly drift towards the line, you don't quickly yank the wheel back the other way. You just sort of bring it back just ever so slightly to come back into toe again, right? To be straight again. So instead of waiting till your blood sugar 60 and falling, what if when it was 85 and it was just sort of drifting down, if you just had a couple of carbs, if you just sort of nudged it back up again or bumped it back up again, it it really doesn't matter which one strikes you in your mind. And similarly, why not lower your CGM alarm to more like 120 so that when you're kind of drifting up gently, you could give a small mm-hmm. amount of insulin and bump that number back down because a lot of times less insulin gives you less of a chance of a low later. So just instead right. of waiting till you're wildly, you know, instead of waiting till you're off the road in the weeds and bouncing through the holes, when you see the line just sort of come back a little bit, bumping and nudging. It's really the whole mm-hmm. thing. So um, that's episode 347. And Jenny, episode 352 is Rage, rage bolus. bolus. Go ahead. Do Rage Bolus. Mm, yeah, Rage Bolus. Everybody with diabetes. I would think, honestly, everybody with diabetes or caring for somebody has Rage Bolus at some point. Essentially, you've gotten so frustrated by a high blood sugar or even a climb that you didn't expect that looks, you know, those double arrows up and you're like, I'm just going to get on top of this now. This is not bumping and nudging. (laughs) This is completely like the other end of, I'm just going to take a lot of insulin and I'm going to get my blood sugar to come back down. But you end up, you end up using so much normally that you create some sort of a, a fall later. Correct. Yeah. A pretty dramatic fall for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it's like taking a bucket of insulin, just being like, I can't take this anymore. Just, ah. And yes. it, it generally doesn't go well. There, There is, um, there, well, we'll wait till we get to it. So that's episode 352, Rage Bolus. Episode 358 is compression low and interstitial fluid. I think we started off making a compression low defining and ended up explaining what interstitial fluid is because- a compression low, if you're wearing a CGM, um, mm-hmm. you've got this wire under your skin, 
um, the sensor, whatever they call it, filament doesn't matter. It's a thing. It's under your skin. Those are all things that they've been. Yes, those are all good words. <laughs> it's measuring your interstitial fluid. And if you the glucose in your interstitial fluid, thank you. Uh, and if you lay it right on top of the of the sensor, it compresses into your body. And when it does that, it pushes the interstitial fluid away from where the wire is. And therefore, you're you get a low reading that isn't real. Correct. Because in that area, right around the wire, there is actually less glucose. Yes. But there may be, it, not in your body. Plenty so, of it. Right. Pushed away. Else. Yes. And on a Dexcom, at least, when it happens, you sort of teach yourself. You can almost see it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, that's a weird break. I bet you that's a compression low. And it's mm -hmm. not always. I mean, I would still test to be certain. But anyway, that's what a compression low is. It's a... It's a blip that comes up on your CGM out of nowhere that looks like you're falling, but really just might be that the the transmitter and the sensor have been pushed into your body and mm -hmm. and displaced your interstitial fluid. Yes. And a good, as you brought up, you can really see a compression low pretty easily on CGM data because it's, it's, the glucose data is tracking really smoothly and all of a sudden it looks like things just like dropped off of a cliff. Yeah. And even those little pinpoint dots of glucose value will often have a disrupted area between the last one that looked like it was pretty stable and in target mm -hmm. and the next one, which looks strangely low. Yeah, Oftentimes, you know, parents will move their kid and roll them over in bed and it writes itself. Yes. So. I've definitely walked into Arden's room and been like, roll over, roll over, get over. And then she's like, what? What? I'm like, you're laying on your sensor. Oh, and then she flips over. Um, yeah. But in the beginning, I mean, listen, I would never say not to test for it. Like you, right. you should, because also a, a drastic drop looks like a drastic drop too. I'm just saying you can kind of start to see them after a while. Uh, episode 360, fat and protein rise. So I guess to define that, in just a moment, it would be that you're going to be diagnosed and somebody's going to tell you that you count carbs and you cover carbs with insulin and that's it. And there are free foods, uh, free foods like uh, cheese and meat and things like that because there's no carbs yes. in them. Um, problem becomes with the protein specifically, um, your body digests the protein, turns it into glucose, right? Mm -hmm. So later in the, in the, process, um, you could see a rise from that. Fat, however, has a slightly different scenario. Can you tell people why fat? It's more fat. It's more resistance with fat, um, where I think of a simple thing to think of is if you're, if somebody's like taking insulin and sitting on it and not letting it work quite as well. That's what fat does. Mm -hmm. Fat decreases your body's ability to use insulin by about 50%, give or take. Um, and so, I mean, there are multiple ways of attacking coverage and all of that. When are you going to start to see fat impact? It's usually two to three hours after a meal mm -hmm. and it will last a long time. Whereas protein protein starts to impact blood sugar somewhere th one to three hours after a meal. If it's a large quantity or you've had a small carb containing meal with a 
fair amount of protein or a large amount of protein, Mm -hmm. then you may need to actually cover protein. So this isn't, you're always going to have to bolus or cover fat and protein. That's not really the truth. Um, But there are some specific scenarios in which you would have to cover both of them or just remain high. Right. Um, There are multiple episodes throughout the podcast that go deep, deep into how to bolus for fat and protein. Episode 378, Dawn Phenomenon. I might have to really get you to lean in on the technicalities <gasps> of the next three, really. So, really, yeah, because I, I, we... I, I know what the dawn phenomenon is. Like, I know okay. that there's this time around. Ready? You're testing me. Uh, two or three o'clock in the morning, right? Where your body kind of gives off some glucose, glucagon from your liver, something from your liver. Is that right? Or it's also kind of the beginning of like a. A cortisol sort of, I mean, and two o'clock early, most people it's somewhere between three and 8 AM. I mean, for like the widest swath of time potential. Right. Um, I mean, and there are multiple thoughts for why do some people see it more considerably than others, but most people who have tested will definitely find that as they get through and into sort of later early morning hours, things start to kind of creep up a little bit. And it may also then go along with um, the foot on the floor, which I don't know. Did we do that one already? Well, we're going to get to it in a second. Oh, we're going to get that. Okay. All right. So So, yeah, dawn phenomenon is really that early morning has nothing to do with getting out of bed. Mm -hmm. It's the body's need for a little bit, um, a little bit more insulin based on your body's preparation for you getting up to get going in the beginning of the day. Okay. Then so. 379 is smoji effect. Smoggy. You always say it differently <laughs> than I say it. Say it. I always say smoggy effect okay. too. <laughs> and that I some people to... say samoji, samogi. Yes. It's yes. All I know is I don't know what it is. <laughs> We've done an episode about it and I, I have no recall on it whatsoever. Yeah, well, I think actually it was really kind of funny in that episode. We we actually looked up where the name came from. It was if a doctor, I remember. right? It's a doctor. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Samogi effect um, or phenomenon or whatever is really when your blood sugar gets too low overnight specifically, um, you get this dump of like glucose or not really glucose, but your body starts to break down its stores of glucose, sends it into the bloodstream. It's a, it's a good effect that's supposed to save you from the low. Right. Mm-hmm. But on the opposite of it, the trigger of those hormones can then send your blood sugars rebounding high okay. later on with a CGM. And thankfully many people have the option to use a CGM. Now we can really catch is the high blood sugar you're waking up with in the morning because you've had lows overnight? Mm-hmm. Or is it really because nothing low happened and you really just need more insulin put yeah. in from so probably that's, basil? <laughs> that's really interesting that that the advent of a CGM takes away that I don't know what's happening idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. And then episode 380 is feet on the floor. So the way I see it with Arden is she can be super stable, right? Like 80 overnight. And her alarm starts to go off. Arden's a uh, let the alarm go off 16 times kind of person, right? And then- She's got snooze. She's snoozing herself. (laughs) She's snoozing herself into reality. And so as she's snoozing herself into reality, I begin to see her blood sugar pick up. And then she, just a little bit, 80, 82, 85, over like 30 minutes, right? 
And then she wakes up and her feet hit the floor. And I believe that what happens is your brain and your body start preparing yourself for the task ahead. And I mm -hmm. guess that's adrenaline and some other things. And, and then you just start seeing a rise. And then the problem ends up being is that is how it gets caught up in everyday life. Like, because breakfast can sometimes be difficult for people to bolus for. And on top of that, they have a rising blood sugar, perhaps from feet on the floor and that they haven't covered with basil. And anyway, that's feet on the floor. Am I right? Yes. I got and it. it's, it's, you got it. It's right. typically noticed right upon getting out of bed specifically, especially mm -hmm. if you've kind of curtailed the dawn phenomenon, mm -hmm. you may actually find a secondary need to add some extra insulin as soon as you actually get out of bed. Yeah. Um, and that for the most part, isn't really well covered with a basal change. Mm -hmm. It's much better covered with a bolus to accommodate for what you know is going to happen. Go check out the episode. I think this is yes. a good time, Jenny, for us to just interject for 12 seconds and say to newly diagnosed people, I know this seems overwhelming, <laughs> <laughs> but these things will just sort of like, you can go listen to these defining episodes, get a, a firm idea of what these things are. You're not going to remember every one of them right away. And eventually as crazy as it sounds, all these things that I've listed here so far, my brain just does the, processing on all of this in the background like i don't i don't i don't stand in a situation where my daughter's blood sugar you know randomly jumps up and down and think i wonder if she's brittle like you know what i mean like it just right you, you just start of you know when i see a drifting blood sugar nowhere near a bolus i don't think oh we're feeding the insulin i just think oh the basil looks heavy and so mm -hmm. you know eventually it does sort of it begins to just make sense without you having to think about it so Episode 408, insulin sensitivity factor, which people could see in their devices as IS or ISF, right? Or even correction factor CF. Or CF, right. In general, mm -hmm. look at me, I'm on a roll here. The um, Jenny's like, why am I here if you're not going to give me insulin sensitivity <laughs> factor? It's because I don't want to do it. I don't want to do the next one. That's why, Jenny. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just, you know, make little little comments along the way. That's all right. <laughs> so, um. One unit of insulin moves your blood sugar blank amount of points. That's your Correct. insulin sensitivity factor or your correction factor, depending on how it's written in your pump or algorithm. That's it, right? Correct. Exactly. Yeah. It's the way that one unit of insulin will navigate your blood sugar down. Mm -hmm. So yes. if your insulin sensitivity factor is 50 and your blood sugar is 120, giving yourself a unit should get you to 70. Correct. In theory. There are a lot of other variables that would stop that. And if you're just listening first and you're not going to get a chance to get to that episode, I do want to throw in here, as your blood sugar gets higher, that may become less effective. So it's possible that a, a 120 will move to 70 on a unit in that example, but not probable that a 250 would go to 200 with the same unit of insulin. Does that insult? Yeah, and most, most people who watch and pay kind of enough attention when they're starting to try to figure things out more, mm -hmm. they will notice it really works. It really works. And then all of a sudden they've got a bad site or they've got, you know, a missed dose of insulin, their blood sugar climbs. What I find it's usually above like 220 to 250 above that. Mm -hmm. It seems to take a little bit more insulin than what your correction factor or sensitivity factor would calculate your correction dose to be. Okay. Will you tell so, people what episode 415 is? 
415 adrenaline highs. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, you know, adrenaline is a fancy hormone that kind of goes right along with fight or flight, right? So what does your body do? Your body stimulates with adrenaline to really give you this rev up. I mean, you know, your heart rate increases, your body is just in this ready state. Well, what ends up happening? Adrenaline spikes your blood sugar. Mm-hmm. For most people. Now, whether or not you actually have to correct that adrenaline spike is another thing to pay attention to. A lot of people see these adrenaline spikes um, around like your A game, like the coolest team that you're going to play against, you know, this coming weekend, and you get this spike up in blood sugar that you've not ever really seen before, very likely it's adrenaline Mm -hmm. Um, or just excitement. I know that before. When I first started doing some of my my initial like races, which were not very long, they were like 10Ks, but it was exciting. And I'd get there with this nice, smooth, like blood sugar. And then like 10 minutes before the gun was going to go off, I get this crazy quick kick up. Really? What's going on? Right? So I think also go listen to that episode seriously, because there are also situations that you can't imagine yet where it might not happen. For instance, Correct. a baseball game might make your kid excited, but baseball practice might not. And also, adrenaline needs insulin most of the time. But when adrenaline leaves and insulin remains behind, that's a uh-oh situation. So adrenaline holds up your blood sugar really well when it's there. Mm-hmm. When the adrenaline goes away out of nowhere, if you've bolused for it, that insulin's still active and the adrenaline's gone now. It's almost like... It's almost like an unseen hand reached into your stomach and snatched your lunch out. And it just isn't there anymore to correct to to, to combat the insulin. Uh, episode 415. I realize now I'm going to have to edit out every time I went, uh, before every one of these numbers. <laughs> or now I'll just leave it in. Who cares? Adrenaline uh, highs we just did. Now, the, the next one, episode 423, insulin deficit. Do you remember, did we put this in to sort of give... Um, a, a, a description to people of why their blood sugars kind of drift up. I almost don't remember making this one for some reason. I believe so. I yeah. wonder if the other one was, was this? Oh no. Cause black holes is yeah, it's down farther. Well, let's just define hmm. insulin deficit then. Sure. Just yeah. Probably a four insulin deficit episode. is missing insulin. <laughs> and the result is typically that your blood sugar is going to go up. That's, that's it. Right. <laughs> we probably stuck it in there because you'll hear me say throughout the podcast, you know, if your blood sugar is high, you probably didn't use enough insulin. And if Correct. it's low, yeah, probably use too much insulin. <laughs> so, you know, like it's a good place to start. So insulin deficit is just what it sounds like. Growth hormones, episode 426. I mean, the reason we define that around diabetes is because when your kid goes to sleep at night and is inundated with growth hormones, their blood sugar is going to go up. So I don't know that growth hormones needs a description here from us, but it does need us. uh, I think it does um, ask us to tell you to go to listen about it because it's really important and it is going to impact your use of insulin. Especially and in all ages, I think most specifically for those who have kids with type one, teens with type one, um, women who have not quite figured out their monthly cycle yet mm. around their hormones that go up and down. Um, so it's definitely an important one to understand. Yeah. Okay. Stacking insulin is episode 440. And it is very likely that you are going to be diagnosed 
And a doctor is going to look at you very sternly in the face and tell you, never stack insulin, right? Happens. Without much explanation. Right. They're just going to say it. Don't stack insulin. Stacking insulin is the idea of you just sort of layering new boluses on top of each other um, blindly. Because mm-hmm. you see, because it's it's almost it's almost rage bolusing in steps. Does that make sense? Like instead of like like instead of throwing in five units all at once, yes. it's a unit, then a unit, and then a unit, and a unit, and you just keep stacking them up on each other. It's it's Correct. kind of the same idea. I've never thought of it that way before until just now. But um, here's the thing: you really don't want to stack insulin. You want to bolus correctly for what you're eating or for the correction you're trying to make, but. It's not stacking if you need it. So if your insulin is well-proportioned and your understanding of covering your foods is good and you eat at 3 o'clock and at 3.25 go, I'm going to have another serving of that, that's not stacking. No. That's bolusing. Correct. And the problem is is that when you get – when you when your first week of blood sugars and people say, don't stack insulin, a lot of people hear it as don't use insulin frequently. Do you agree with that? Right. Yeah. And I, I've also heard it in terms of the comment about don't stack insulin. Many will be given sort of a timeline of use of insulin. Like if you take insulin here, don't take insulin for another three or four hours. Right. right. But that lacks a lot of good explanation as you just tried to do, you know, yeah. if you, you or your child eats lunch now, and then you decide, well, I'm still hungry or he or she is still hungry and they really want something more. There's a reason to take more, even if it's within an hour of having just bolus for other food. Right. If you're eating again, you need to take more insulin for that. Yeah. That's not stacking. Right. If you take insulin for a meal, blood sugar is rising and you think, well, I'm just going to give more insulin because my blood sugar is rising you could potentially get into stacking insulin because you really haven't seen the true impact of that. Let's call it a three to four hour active insulin window of the first bolus. Right. Or or you could just be right. You might have miscounted carbs or the glycemic index or load might be wrong. Here's what I'm going to say. Listen to this episode because it's important, but these episodes should probably at some point lead you into the diabetes pro tip series, which will Mm -hmm. make all of these definitions make a lot more sense. Um, episode 442, hydration. I think we all know what hydration is, so I don't know that it needs to be uh, uh, explained here, but you should go check out the episode because hydration has a huge impact on how insulin works. That's that's why it's in the defect, in the definitions. Insulin, movement of any nutrients around your body, it also impacts CGM accuracy. Significantly. Significantly. Mm-hmm. So absolutely listen to hydration. Yeah. 455, LADA diabetes, latent autoimmune diabetes in adults. Yes. Yay, Yay. look how I learned. (laughs) If you guys could just see Jenny looking at me right now going, he's not going to get this. (laughs) I was was like, I know we've done this so many times. People say it to me. you know this. (laughs) Constantly. And it's, you know what the problem is, is where it breaks my brain is that it's, Latent autoimmune diabetes, LAD, but then it goes in adults and there's no I there. It messes me up. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really what, right? It's just a slow progressing form of autoimmune diabetes or a slow progressing form of type one for the most part. Which you mainly Um, see in adults. 
Correct. Right. Exactly. Um, yep. <clears throat> then we have Modi diabetes, which I'm going to admit I couldn't define if my life depended on it, which I'm sure you're disappointed in right now, but can you please do it? <laughs> Modi diabetes. Yes. Maturity onset diabetes of the young. There you go. So is, <laughs> is it LADA for young people? Um, Ish? not really. Okay. Um, it's definitely different than LADA. And Modi has many different, it's genetic. Mm-hmm. Modi has many, many different types of Modi, if you will. That's the easiest way to say it. And getting the proper diagnosis of your type of Modi becomes really important for getting the right type of medication and management okay. strategy. So uh, it's one of those things that often, if you have it, you're not going to know right away because doctors are going to have trouble figuring it out too. Yes. Uh, which is why it's there specifically. Episode 463, Crush It and Catch It. That is a thing I made up. Um, so it is. It is. Uh, <laughs> and you really don't start with Crush It and Catch It, right? Like, listen to these, listen to the pro tips, then come back to that one maybe. But it for to define it, it's the idea that sometimes you have a high blood sugar that is so high um, and if you have a CGM, I sort of just learned how to like crush it, like crush it with insulin and then catch it so that it comes in for a smooth landing without creating a high later and without getting low. Um, yes. Anyway, it's not a day one idea. Uh, no. 460. Chase, like, no, I'm not even no, saying anything that's... about this. <laughs> <laughs> I made no comments there whatsoever. Well, I, I the comment I was going to say is actually it kind of goes a little bit along with rage bolusing, but crush it and catch it means that you really are, you're not, you're not anger bolusing. You're like, I see the problem happening. You're taking emotion out of it. I'm going to do this, but I'm really going to be diligent about paying attention and I'm going to catch it later because I know that this is likely more than I needed. It's an an aggressive, thoughtful move. It's the, it is. Yeah. And yes. And again, don't do it on the first day. <laughs> uh, 466 C-peptide and beta cells. C-peptide, what is that? So C-peptide is um, a substance. It's made by the pancreas along with insulin. There's sort of a, both parts of a, of a big molecule, right? Mm-hmm. And when insulin gets released into circulation, the C-peptide kind of gets cleaved or broken off, if you will. And it's, it's kind of C-shaped from what I understand. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't do anything the insulin is the piece of that molecule that we want, but C-peptide is measurable in the bloodstream. So when you're diagnosed with autoimmune diabetes or type one diabetes, C-peptide levels can be tested to see that they lie below what would be expected to be normal pancreatic output of insulin. Mm -hmm. And the C-peptide then shows what's actually coming out of the beta cells in the pancreas. Um, if they're low or under a value, then usually, you know, it goes right along with a type one diagnosis yeah. along with antibody testing and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but C peptides can be measured in somebody who has type one and has had type one a long time as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people ask, well, I take insulin, you know, I inject it, I pump it. Isn't that going to mess the test up? Not at all. Because C peptide is really only something that comes with your own beta cells, that molecule that's made along with insulin. It's only coming from that. It doesn't come from our formulated insulin. But you're going to hear the word around because people are going to say, after you're newly diagnosed, 
and, and sometimes people are like, I'm not sure if I have diabetes. Someone's going to say to you, well, have you had a C-peptide test? And that's, you know, to pretty much tell you if you have type 1 diabetes. Um, right. Right. And a lot of times the, the reason that comes up is a lot of times type 2s can be misdiagnosed or type 1s can be misdiagnosed as type vice versa. That yep. test breaks down. We also hit beta cell in there. Beta cell is the cell in your pancreas that makes insulin and you can go learn more about it in 466. Yes. Uh, episode four, excuse me, episode 648, insulin on board. <clears throat> uh, to, so just to define it, it's, uh, let's see, your pumps, uh, your algorithms, in pen, for example, a, a smart insulin pen will tell you, based on your settings, how much insulin you have active in your system, the insulin on board, you being you being bored, and it's on you. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> a weird thing, isn't it? On board, it's a it's such a it's such a commonly used phrase in diabetes, and yet it's not actually specific to human beings. If you think of it outside of this, not the point. Anyway, insulin on board is how much insulin you have active in your body, as measured by your device, and it's based on your settings. Learn more about it in there because if your settings are different, your insulin on board might look different. And that Correct. And that one important. setting is your duration of insulin action or Three. your active insulin time. That's really where insulin on board, anything your system is telling you about an amount, mm -hmm. it's coming from a setting that you set or that your doctor recommended that you set. Right. If you switch to a pump, you may remember your pump training when it came up on it and it says, What's my insulin action time? And the nurse went, oh, I put three or four hours in there. <laughs> and they're yes. just like, because ah, they don't know. And you never get told to go back to it, but you should. And um, you should understand it better. I just had to throw away a phone call from my mother who calls always at the worst times. Uh, she, Aww. I think she has a camera in my bathroom and knows when my when I step into the shower. I'm pretty certain <laughs> of that. <laughs> uh, episode 652 is pump break. Some people use insulin pumps, and take a break sometimes. That one's pretty self-explanatory. Episode 656. Jenny, we're going to get through this whole list. Yay. Yay. Episode 656 is about barriers. So I don't use barriers. Arden doesn't use them, I should say, but a lot of people do. Jenny, could you highlight yeah. a couple of them? Barriers more? essentially are for people who have irritation to any or potentially all of the adhesives that are used to put a product onto the body, whether it's a CGM of any kind, a pump, inf a pump infusion set, or you know, Omnipod the infusion uh, or the um, the adhesive around the pod. It's essentially a way to create a barrier between the skin and the adhesive of that product. Some of the barriers are a a spray. Um, or like, you know, something like Flonies, let's say, mm. or like a spray Benadryl or something enough to create um, a little bit of a barrier to prevent irritation from the adhesive. Other barriers, though, are another sticky sort of tape, if you will, type of product that you would put onto your clean skin. And then you would put your product on top of that right. to prevent that adhesive from causing a problem for you. And the truth is some people have trouble with things sticking. Some people have trouble with irritation. Some people mm -hmm. aren't bothered by it at all. And right. you'll find out who you are. And then that'd be a great episode for you to listen to. Yep. All right. Episode 660. <clears throat> oh, the next two, actually, I made up. Uh, episode 660. <laughs> that's, Jenny's going to get to finish strong with the rest of them. <laughs> 
uh, is called Black Holes. And so it is a look into how my brain thinks about creating deficits of insulin in the future. Is that fair? That's fair. Okay. Yes. So mm-hmm. again, that might not be day one, but um, it, it, it is, a, is an episode that a number of people reached out and said, you talk about black holes in the episode, but you've never defined it. I was like, well, I will make a defining episode about it for you. Um, much the same as episode 664, Dictate the Pace, is it's again, it's just a look at how I think about diabetes, really, where I think you should sort of be out in front of it, strike first, however you want to put it. Um, it, it's, um, I don't think you should cover up and let diabetes happen to you. I think you should happen to it so that the next thing that happens is quantifiable, you know, instead of, oh, diabetes happened, this happened, my blood sugar went up, it went down, I don't know why. I like saying I bolused and then I got low. At mm-hmm. least I know now I can change that bolus. I see, you know, I see I did something and then something else happened. Correct. Uh, 664, dictate the pace. Okay, Jenny, 668 for you, carb absorption and digestion. Yeah, so we're taught a lot about carbs initially, or you'll be taught a lot about carbs initially. Um, the simpler the carb, the faster the impact on blood sugar. and then what you eat with that type of carbohydrate could also lead to a shift in how your body digests or processes that food to make it visible in blood sugar effect, mm-hmm. right? So simple food being something like a big bowl of green grapes versus a big bowl of kale chips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they both have carbohydrates in them, but they're both going to absorb differently. You're going to digest them a little bit differently differently so to speak, Mm -hmm. right? It's not like your body changes how it digests, but because one is simple, pretty simple carb, you're going to get much more rapid impact from some foods than from others. Um, So yeah, the carb absorption and digestion impacts the timing of the insulin, sometimes the amount of the insulin. It's important to understand what it is and how it works. Uh, Do another one, Jenny, 672 antibody. Antibody. So Antibodies in general are just a a protein in your blood that's essentially produced to counter a specific bad guy that's Mm -hmm. come into your body, right? Like an alien, a foreign substance, something, something that's not supposed to be there, right? But when we take that into diabetes specifically, for some reason, especially for type 1 autoimmune diabetes, you will have your body respond, unfortunately, in the wrong way with a destruction of the beta cells. But there will be antibodies that show whether you've had an autoimmune response, Mm -hmm. and that's the reason, or you won't have antibodies. So it's a marker in the blood, essentially, that will tell you. And it's generally possible now that you have an autoimmune disease that you might see others and antibodies are going to be words that come up again if you end up with something like uh, hypothyroidism. and Or celiac. Or celiac or something to that effect. And mm-hmm. speaking of hypo, episode 677, hypo and hyper, just defines hypo and hyper. Hypo, low, hyper, high. Still feel like you should go listen to the episode. <laughs> 
and glycemia because they are together, yeah. right? With right. hyperglycemia, Hy- yeah. glycemia is just glucose. We, so. we we sort of go through the words uh, or the prefixes, and you could see how like you can have hypoglycemia, you can also have hypothyroidism, you can have hyperglycemia, mm-hmm. hyperthyroidism, etc. It's interesting. Jenny and I are we're delightful as we record these, so you should definitely <laughs> listen to it no matter what. And so far on June thirteenth, two thousand and twenty-two, the last episode of Defining Diabetes is episode 681, where we just go over all of the different types of diabetes. You heard a couple Lots. of them here in this list. Yeah, we like, you know, just we, we really we, dove in. We, we found we found all the diabetes, uh, not just Lada and Moody and type one and type two, but there's there's other stuff. And it's interesting. Um, as you can see, you know, Jenny, as we wrap up this episode, um, you and I started making these defining diabetes episodes at episode 263 bolus i'm gonna look just real quickly if you'll indulge me for a second of course i can look very quickly and see 236 excuse me episode 236 which was defining diabetes bolus it was the first one Mm -hmm. june 21st 2019 that is nine days shy of three years ago. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Am I wrong? 2020, 21? No, I'm right. Look at me. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. so, this, is, this is the same level of sad excitement as when I knew what Lada meant. Uh, and everyone listening is like, the guy with the podcast wasn't 100% sure what Lada meant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't know everything. Oh, no, uh, you knew what it meant. It was yeah. just the words to know what the actual acronym was, right? You're very Not kind. that you didn't know. You Jenny, have to give yourself more credit Jenny, for that. you're defending me like my grandmother. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> Leave Scott alone. He knows. <laughs> Only because I like you. Thank so. you. But I mean, the point is, is that when we started it on 236, did you really think we would have done another one last month? I don't know. I didn't know how many. You're like, we're just going to keep getting ideas, and then we're just going to keep doing this. And yeah. I was like, that's great. I like doing this. But, so, <laughs> But 681 types of diabetes we recorded in May of 2022. I'm just saying. That's a long time. It's a long time. And expect the list to grow because – I think Jenny and I both completely agree that management of diabetes is, at first, it's understanding. It's understanding that you have tools, and these tools are sometimes thrown around as words that you don't know. And you can't possibly, you know what I mean? Like, if the word ketone never came up in your life, and then all of a sudden someone's like, you have diabetes, and by the way, ketones are bad. You don't want to go into DKA. You're like, oh my God, like, Right. What? And, you know, so the way I liken it in my mind is you can have a screw and a screwdriver. If you don't know what a screwdriver is, it might not help you. So learn these definitions. And hopefully one day when someone shows you a screw, you'll be like, oh, I know what to do. And you'll reach in your pocket and pull out your screwdriver and just whip it right into the board and you'll be on your way. And and I think these go a long way towards doing that. I also think they go a long way towards preparing you to listen to the pro tip series. Mm-hmm. You know, so and Jenny, if, um, you know, you just heard her say a second ago, she enjoys doing this. I, I do. And, oh, I know you do. I, she loves helping people with, with diabetes. And um, I'm very proud that you're involved in these. I don't tell you this stuff often on the podcast. So let me just do it. Now. I'm looking <laughs> at her. So it's, it's embarrassing. But, uh, these definitions and, you know, 
the pro tip series. Like I know I'm the one who said like, let's do this and let's do this, but let's be honest without you, they're not what they are. So I oh, would, thank you. I would clap, but it's a podcast and uh, it's meaningless. Uh, but uh, <laughs> people would just feel like, great. Now there's noise while I'm listening. Um, but yeah, you've just been and continue to be such an asset to people with type one. And well, thank you. you know, I feel, I feel as I'm, yeah. And I'm glad that you've started something that's grown into such a community of support for people. And that's the reason that I enjoy continuing to help you to put good information. I think that word good is really important because there's, there's a lot of misinformation. I'm not going to call it bad information, but I think, especially in doing these definitions, it's really important for people to understand yeah. what things mean, <laughs> words they might have heard, and they may be too embarrassed or too overwhelmed to ask, well, what does that mean? I don't get it. Can you explain that differently to me? And that's really, really important for you to live better. Yeah. I, I want to say that part of the value and kind of why I brought up how long it's been since we did the first one, and by the way, 236 was still 236 episodes into the podcast is years into the <laughs> podcast. Um, it's because I saw someone online the other day. I, I don't want to say they were ripping me off, but let's say they were okay. And <laughs> they were doing their own <laughs> defining thing. Um, and I, and I, I never listened to other people's stuff, but I thought, let me just see for a minute. And I looked and this person hadn't been involved with diabetes for very long. They hadn't been making their content very long. And then they did a, a haphazard job of explaining the thing. It, it, it's still, mm -hmm. I think, for their level of understanding, I think they did a great a great job. But there's something to be said for you with 30 plus years of living with diabetes, plus you're a CD, plus you, tr you talk to people literally all day long, every day of the week about type one. And me, who's been making this podcast forever, I have, I mean, besides doctors, I don't know, there's nobody who talks to people with diabetes more than I do, I don't think, right? I, I record six, seven hours of conversations every week. Right. And there's something about knowing, like being able mm -hmm. to say something with confidence and put it into context, which you do for me all the time, because I'll say things and you'll come around and be like, yes, in this specific situation, this is exactly what right. you just said. But don't forget about this aspect of it, which is not how my brain works. And mm -hmm. so there's something between all of the experience, all of your training, my ability to tell a story, your ability to keep me honest. Like it all just, <laughs> it's why it's good information, I think. Right. Th that's well, and I think because you also have a lot of pieces that people can go to specifically. And in many, uh, I've, I've heard you say in many of the episodes or many of the ones that I've listened to myself, you'll say, if you want more about this go here. We've explained this a little bit better, or this whole episode is all about this. It's not just something that's brought up and then it's gone. There's no, it leaves the person central. hanging and they're listening to the rest of the conversation, but really they wanted that little nugget that you kind of yeah. just accidentally brought up. They wanted that. And that's, that's a really big piece of tying something that's very beneficial like in terms of education together, right. you have to be able to send somebody to the right place for exactly what they want. We've, we've been able to do this for so long. And I really sincerely mean the sponsors like kept this podcast going and keep it going, but we've been able to do it so long that it's now a compendium of information, not just an episode about what honeymoon means. Right. You know, and I just got a note. I know you have to go. I just got a note from a woman online the other day. She said, I just finished 
the last episode of the podcast. She listened from one oh my to, God. to at this point, she listened to 698, right? Like straight through and then showed a graph and talked about her A1C and her success. And she said, I listened to this podcast straight through and look at my blood sugar. And, and you know, it's because of this. So if you want I mean, it, if it's in here. That's like almost a month worth of like continue. Like that's 24 hour day after 24 hour day. And that's 28 straight days of 24 hours. I, you know, assuming I, so, I know some of the episodes right. aren't quite an hour and some are longer than an hour, but in general, that's 28 days of not stopping listening. Yeah. That's a lot of listening. That's a person I don't think you or I could sneak up behind on the street and talk and they wouldn't just spin around and go, oh my God, Jenny's here. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, I, my point in saying that is the information you need to live with insulin is inside this podcast. If you go get it, I think that's great. If you jump around, I understand. But I mean, listen to these defining episodes before you go to the pro tip series. I, I really actually think that's important. So agreed. Anyway, thank you very much, Jenny, for doing yeah, this. Yeah, you're very well. Thank you for asking me and continuing to have me. So, Who else yes. would I ask? Stop it. You're making me embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> A huge thanks to InPen from Medtronic Diabetes for sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Head over now to InPenToday.com to get started. And while you're doing that, make sure you've heard episode 711, which is the first part of this conversation. Hope you're enjoying the Bold Beginning series. If you are, go look for other episodes that you think you might also enjoy. Jenny Smith works at IntegratedDiabetes.com in case you want to hire her. And I'm going to leave you a little bit of information after the music about how you can find out more about the podcast, subscribe, and other such things. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. All right, some quick stuff you'll want to know. The private Facebook group now has 26,000 people in it. Juice Box podcast, type 1 diabetes. People using insulin, you can hang out, watch what they're saying, talk, ask questions, pick brains, or just lurk. Whatever you need, it's there. Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes, including lists like the Bold Beginning Series, Defining Diabetes, the Diabetes Pro Tip Episodes, Diabetes Variables, all listed in the feature section of the Facebook page. Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. It's a private group, so you'll have to answer just a few questions so that we know you're a real person. Everything else you need to know about the podcast can be found at juiceboxpodcast.com or diabetesprotip.com. If you're looking for a great endocrinologist, we have a list at juiceboxdocs.com. It's curated by the listeners, doctors who are down with how people who listen to the podcast take care of their type one. You want that part to be easy too, right? Juiceboxdocs.com. Completely free. Everything's free, by the way. Find me on Instagram. Find me on Facebook. Find me somewhere. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a beautiful rating and review in whatever app you're listening in like five stars this is amazing and then give a really great description so the next person who sees your review will know that it's worth listening to thank you so much for listening i'll be back very soon with another episode of the juice box podcast and don't forget that episode 712 the second half of this episode is available right now in your podcast player
or at juiceboxpodcast.com.